Hey, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to send us your story by visiting our new website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. I'm so excited this morning that we are all in. Who's all in this morning? Who's all in this morning? I'm so glad this morning uh, I have one of those uh, strange mornings that I get to sit and hear the word. And so uh, for me, I'm excited to introduce this morning's speaker, uh, which is my wife who uh, just led worship just a moment ago. She's going to come bring the word. It's her turn to bring bring the word. We have a wonderful, wonderful pastoral team. So please give it up for my wife who's coming uh, to share the word. Um, give it up for my wife who's coming to share the word. Yeah. All right. Does anybody know? Teresa, um, do you know where my wife is? It's kind of, it's kind of important. Yeah. Can you, can you see? Oh yeah. 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 So hi, Alicia. Hi. How you doing, sweetie? Good. Um, a quick question for you. Um, what you doing right now? Getting coffee with all the other slackers out there. <laughs> Did I say that? Um, yeah, I was just introducing you, and you were um, out doing something else. Yeah. What? Um, you're on to preach. That's this week? Yeah, that is this week. Um, we talked about this weeks ago. Oh. Yeah. I just like worship. Yeah, you did. You did. You did a great job, by the way, on that. So, uh, on that note, you were also on the schedule to preach. So, oh, you got some notes for me? Notes. Yeah. Um, all in is the note. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. This is an awkward this is moment. Increasingly um, awkward. This is. What if they don't want to hear it this morning? What if they don't want to hear it? Yeah. Um interesting you still have to bring something because uh, i'm fresh out of words right now um what if there's a person out there that really doesn't care for me because i'm sure there's got to be a couple <laughs> that's funny some days you have to laugh about it <laughs> i'm not sure that's funny but um well that's why women's ministry is its whole other thing you know yeah. by all by itself <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's funny but you're on uh. You're supposed to bring the word. All right. Well. Well, now that there's been a huge delay. We're going to need a lot more coffee this morning, guys. Um, do you need me to help you? No, I, I'm good. I'm good. You sure? Do you have, I have an idea. Can you grab that for me? My hands are full. <laughs> it's all about Jesus. Is there anything else you need coffee. me to do for your fries or anything else with that? Just pray. Right. Just pray. All right, well... We'll pray that this is going to go over well. Yeah. Um, well, again, please welcome my wife who's coming to bring the word. So let me ask you a question. Who here likes delays? One person. <laughs> One person likes it. When I do not. I do not like delays. Um, unless it's a school delay. Come on. Yep. 
that allows a little bit of extra time for sleep. But those school delays, I like to know about it the night before, right? Not the five o'clock in the morning wake-up call that school has been canceled or it's going to be a two-hour delay. I like my timeline. I like order. I love to know what's coming next. It is comforting for me when all of my ducks have been lined up in a row. Anybody else here like that? All right, there's a few of us. Okay, good. It's comforting for me. And so I do not like delay in that sense. But then there's times where God asks us to do things in our lives. And man, we don't mind delaying God, but we don't want God to delay us. You know? Like, there's times where we're just praying for something. We're fighting for it. We're believing in it. I mean, we're just seeking God with all of our faith because we don't want God to delay our timeline. But then there's times where God will ask you to do something that's completely out of the ordinary. To answer a call that looks so differently from what you planned. And we're not as quick to jump up and answer. We easily push it off. We delay our obedience because it doesn't make sense or it's not comfortable. Maybe that whole interaction for you was like, what is really going on? How many of you were really wondering when you were clapping, like, where is she? (laughs) I hear the nervous laughter. (laughs) And just so you know, that was a planned little fun thing. Um, I really wasn't out there just getting coffee just for myself. And, but you know, (laughs) I do love it. So I figured if I'm going to play the part, I'm really going to get a real cup and drink it. (laughs) But when God asks us to do things, man, don't we fight him sometimes? We allow our fears and our insecurities to kind of pull us back. We even question, God, is that really your will? Or sometimes some of us are so bold that we straight up say, nope, I'm not doing it, God. I'm not doing that. We are stubborn in our nature, are we not? But I'm here to tell you, the time is now. And that's the title of my message this morning. The time is now. Because each tick of the clock, time is quickly passing. And we will not get it back. And so that's what we're going to talk about. The time is now. In Charles Swindoll's book, Living Above the Level of Mediocrity, He tells a story of this. Imagine, if you will, that you work for a company whose president found it was necessary for him to travel out of the country. And he had to um, spend an extended period of time abroad. And so he tells his trusted employees, look, I'm going to leave. And while I'm gone, I need you to pay close attention to the business. I need you to manage things while I'm away. I'm going to write to you regularly, and when I do, I'm going to give you instructions on what you should do until I return for, from this trip. And everyone agreed to it. So he leaves, and he stays gone for a couple of years. And during that time, he's communicating his desires and his concerns, and finally he returns. Now, he walks in through the front door of the company, and he immediately discovers that everything is a mess. The weeds are flourishing in the, flo- in the flower beds. Windows are broken across the front of the building. The girl at the front desk is dozing. Loud music is coming from the offices in the back. Two or three people are engaged in horseplay. 
Instead of making a profit, the business suffered a great loss. And without hesitation, he, he calls everybody together. And with a frown, he's asking, what happened? Did you get my letters? And they said, yeah, sure, we got all your letters. We had them bound in a book. And some of us memorized them. In fact, we have letter study on Sunday. You know, those were really great letters. I think the president would then ask, but what did you do about my instructions? And no doubt every employee would respond, do? Well, nothing. But we read every one. God is calling us to rise above mediocrity. It is not enough just to read it. We treat the word of God that way. We are, yes, Lord, I am faithful. I will read this. But when he asks us to do it, we're not as quick to jump in and do that. But it does us no good if we don't apply his word to our lives. We are called to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. You can read that right in James. James 1, 22 through 25, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone who is looking at his own face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. That person will be blessed in what he does. So let's challenge ourselves today. I want you to ask God to hide his word in your heart. But not just that. Apply it. Be the change. Mediocrity will kill your vision. It will kill it faster than anything. Rise above it. Rise above it. See, the Bible is full of history, and its words are inspired by the Lord. It shapes our lives, and we learn from it, and we grow from it. There's things in here that we learn what we should do. There's things in here that we learn that we shouldn't do. It's our guide. So today, we're going to look at a man named Jonah. Yeah. Now, this is not the VeggieTales version. <laughs> Though I do enjoy it. That was one of my favorite VeggieTales to watch with my kiddos. Now they won't watch VeggieTales with me anymore. But when I was preparing for this and I was asking God, what is it that you want me to speak on? What is it that you want me to share? The Lord brought Jonah right to mind. And you don't really hear about Jonah too often and in the church, because, you know, oh, he's swallowed by a great big fish. And it's hard for some people's minds to, like, say, is that real? If it's in his word, it really happened. It is the inspired word of God. So here, we'll start with Jonah 1, going through 1 through 3. And it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because they're evil has come up before me. And Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Now Nineveh. Nineveh was the center of the Assyrian Empire. And Assyria was extremely evil. Today, Nineveh is known as Mosul, Iraq. Not a whole lot's changed, huh? 
Nineveh, they were known for idol worship. They were known for child sacrifices. They were known for temple prostitution. And if anybody came against them, they had nothing would hold them back from cutting off ears and noses and things like that. Like, so can you kind of understand why Jonah was like, uh-uh, I'm not going there. That's the last place anybody would want to go, including Jonah. Now, Jonah was a man of God, and he was being used to speak prophetically to the nation of Israel. And then God shows up and changes his course, and he calls him to go to Nineveh. And he's just like, I can't, I can't do that. I won't do that. So he decides that he is going to go to Tarshish. And I have to say Tarshish like this because <laughs> I can't help it. It's just that name. So if I sound like I have a list, it's just because of the word Tarshish. <laughs> but Tarshish was the furthest place from Nineveh at that time, approximately about 2,500 miles apart. But this is what I found interesting in that verse, is that Jonah was not just trying to run from what he was called to. But he was running from the very presence of God. That's what it says. But Jonah got up to flee from the Lord's presence. See, the presence of God brings conviction. The presence of God brings change. Oh, and the presence of God makes our flesh so uncomfortable. We are spirit and we are flesh. And we have a constant battle within ourselves. We have our spirit who is desiring the presence of God. Our spirit is desiring to go deeper. And then there's our flesh that is so uncomfortable that it is like, I want out of here and I want out of here now. It's just constantly in battle. But you have to make a choice which one will be sacrificed. Because one of them will be. But as I'm reading through Jonah this week, There's one thing that sticks out to me as Jonah is fighting with God and saying, no, I'm not doing it. And I'm going to run from your presence because I know that your presence brings about what? Change. So he runs. But then we look in verse four and we see that God threw a great wind onto the sea and the storm was about to break apart the ship. You have to know this. Because God still pursues us even when we run. We cannot run our God. God is right there in the midst. And he says, oh, Jonah. All right. You're going to run. So God throws this wind onto the sea. And this ship is probably just like about to break at the seams. So much that the men are panicking And see, and Jonah already told him what he was doing. This is the funny part. Like, Jonah's like, hey, I need to get out of here. I need to get away from my God. And I need to go to Tarshish because I need to be far away from Nineveh. So the men are, like, asking, like, what did you do? I need you to plead to your God. And they were trying to throw things off of the ship. And Jonah's like, listen, just throw me. It's me. So they decide they're going to cast lots. To see who would actually be the person of blame. And it it, it came down to Jonah. And Jonah never denied it. So Jonah insisted that he be thrown overboard. And the men begged for God's mercy that Jonah's blood wouldn't be on their hands. What they were about to do. 
But as soon as Jonah got thrown overboard, the winds died down. And that's when Jonah was swallowed by a great fish, where he stayed for three days and three nights. God will allow things to disrupt us, frustrate us, aggravate us on our course when we are out of his will. Because he's trying to steer us back onto the way that he designed from us from the very beginning. Now, does that mean that everything that happens in our lives is bad, is God's way of getting back to us? No. It is absolutely not. He does get our attention when we're walking in disobedience. But not every bad thing that happens comes from God. It's just, that's just not who he is. But I will tell you that God's plans for us supersedes our own. And so if you're choosing to walk out of not listening to the word of God, not listening to his voice when he says, I need you to do this, and you're like, I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it, God's plan will still prevail, whether he's going to use you or somebody else, but know that his plan supersedes our own every time. Proverbs 19.21 says it perfectly like this. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. He knows our inward thoughts. He knows our feelings. He sees our hearts. And yet, the God of the universe pursues us. He chases after us. Our God, he will not give up on you. He is relentless. Psalm 139, we're going to go back and forth between Jonah and Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is my favorite psalm. We're going to go back in here because I see some similarities here in knowing this. In knowing this story and seeing where Jonah was and where we're at as people. It says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me and you have placed your hand on me. The wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? You can't. That's the awesome thing about our God. You can't escape him. He's, you're in his hand. Now, how many people here are runners? Any runners in the house? Wow. Two. You guys are in great company because I am not a runner. I despise running. I am not good at it. I don't like it at all. I am not trained in it because I just don't like it. It's a great form of exercise. And everybody who is a runner for recreational things, two thumbs up. Um, But if I'm running, it's probably because I saw a snake. No no joke. If you see me running, no, something is wrong. (laughs) I don't like to run. And I'm sure I could benefit from it. We all could. Um, But... I would rather find another way to work out because I just don't like running. I don't like the way it makes my feet feel. I don't like the way it makes my shins feel. I don't like it. Um, But I'm not talking about recreational exercise here. We're talking about running from God. And I'm going to tell you, running from God is futile. 
Running from God is time well wasted. Because we simply cannot run his love. We cannot outrun his call on our lives. And all we do when we run from him is we exhaust ourselves. We bring misery. We bring unnecessary hardship. We bring burdens into our life. You want to meet some miserable people? Those are the ones running away from their destiny. There is no joy outside of the will of God. Not true joy. And that void, that emptiness that's trying to be filled, it can only be filled by God. But you can't run from him. Jonah tried, and God was there. And it may have looked like, you know, I always, you know, when I talk to my kids about things, like, I try not to scare them, like, when I'm trying to get them to make good choices. But I'm like, you have to understand there's a consequence to every decision, every choice you make. And sometimes consequences can be bad. I mean, look at Jonah. How would you like to be sitting in some big fish stomach acid for three days and three nights? That's pretty rough. But then there's Jonah, who in the belly of this fish prayed this prayer. He said, I called out to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from the deep inside Sheol, and you heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and and the current overcame me, and all your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said I had been banished from your sight, and yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to my neck, and the watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head, and I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. And then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving, and I will fulfill what I vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah out on the dry land. If Jonah couldn't flee from the presence of God, none of us can. And then looking at Psalm 139, if we continue to go on where we said, where can I escape from your presence? And where can I flee? Where can I escape from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. And if I live in the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits... Even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. Here's this word, Sheol, that we see both in Jonah and in Psalms. It is the Hebrew word for grave or the abode of the dead. That's a pretty dark place. David and Jonah, darkest places of their life. And that's the word that they described of how low it got. A place that describes death. But even in the lowest place, in the abode of death and grave, God is there. God hears and God delivers. Our disobedience is what brings on misery. And you can't escape it on your own. People have tried. And it's never been successful. 
Drugs won't bring you out of your misery. Alcohol will not let you escape. And sex will not fulfill it. Every little area that we reach and we try, what will fill this area in my... The vices only amplify the misery. But our God sets us free. So stop running away from him. It's futile. It's pointless. And run towards him. Because the Lord has a plan. He always has. And don't wait. Obedience. Even delayed obedience is still disobedience. We've talked about that. My husband has mentioned that in his preaching for the past couple years. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. So don't wait. Going on into Jonah, we're going to go to um, chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. It says, Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, In 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast. They dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. They heard. All he did was just walk through the city and proclaim the word of the Lord. And like that, God used it. Verse, look down at verse 10. It says, God saw their actions and that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he threatened them with and he did not do it. All it took was the work of him being obedient and walking through it. God is looking for a generation of believers in the church who are going to stand up and do what others say that's impossible. Who's going to stand in the gap? Who's going to be the change? God spared a whole city. A city that by our eyes and by our standards weren't worthy of forgiveness. But God, God loved them. God created them. And maybe that person that you're like, that person is unforgivable. Do you know Jesus died for them just as much as he died for you? That his love for them is no greater or less than than his love for you. God spared an entire city because Jonah decided that he couldn't outrun God. It took the voice of one man declaring the word of the Lord to bring a whole city to repentance. And God did it through Jonah. If you go on and read the rest of Jonah, you'll see that Jonah's heart still wasn't right. Jonah was like, okay, God, I'll do what you asked me to do. And then he went and he just settled down, crossed his arms and waited for their demise. Do you know that even in our own mess, God can still use us? And God spoke to Jonah about his heart afterwards. But do you know it wasn't Jonah had to be perfect Jonah had to have all, everything all set up, lined up in order for God to use him. Because if that was the case, we would all still be lost in our sin. If you waited for the right person to tell you about Jesus, that person was like, oh, I have to wait till every detail in my life is squared away before God can use me. That's wrong. Jonah was still determined through it to see the Lord demolish it. But it was the act of obedience that brought the will of the Lord, not man alone. 
God is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. We're just a vessel. And sometimes we feel overwhelmed with his calling. Sometimes we feel unqualified. Sometimes we don't have the resources of what it is that we think it's going to take. And it holds us back from taking a leap of faith. But let me ask you this. What if we, what if we took all those doubts and we just threw them to the side and said, and asked ourselves, but what if I don't do it? That's a big question. And maybe for you, it's not going overseas. Maybe it is. You know, I think of Debbie, who is just, just over there in China doing some amazing things. You, your calling may not be Debbie's calling. And Debbie's calling is different than your calling. But each of us have something that God is asking us to do. Are you going to be willing to take the step? I want to tell you about a man named Edward Kimball. We have his picture up here. Edward Kimball is a Sunday school teacher. Now, you may not have heard of him, or maybe you did. But he had a very busy classroom of wayward boys. And he would spend time with these kids, not just in church on Sunday, but he would go and just hang out with them and tell them about Jesus and how important a relationship was to have with Jesus. And so Edward went to the workplace of this one man, young man, who was working at a shoe store, and he was there as a stock boy. He was stocking the shelves, and he would just go in and talk to him because this one kid just wasn't getting it, wasn't understanding the importance of having a relationship with Jesus. And there in that workplace, this young man gave his life to the Lord, and that young man was Dwight L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody led a huge movement as an evangelist and reached thousands. Has the Moody Institute. Like, there's so many things that impacted his life because of one Sunday school teacher. But while Dwight L. Moody was at one of his crusades in preaching, there was a man by the name of Wilbur Chapman. And Wilbur gave his heart to the Lord under Dwight's ministry. And Wilbur became an evangelist who ministered to thousands. And there, in his meetings one day, was a professional baseball player who attended his meeting. And his name was Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday gave his heart to the Lord at his crusade. And then Billy decided that he was going to stop playing ball. And he began to hold evangelistic crusades. Thousands coming to hear him. And then from there, there's a man who got saved at a Billy Sunday crusade. And his name was Mordecai Ham. Now, Mordecai was a scholarly man. He was a well-to-do man. And then he got radically saved. And then he would parade down the streets on his, on his truck the message of Jesus. And started holding crusades himself. And he was in Charlotte, North Carolina... And there was a group of young boys who saw that he was coming and doing all these evangelistic meetings. And as most young boys, 
they thought, hey, this might be kind of fun to go in and kind of disrupt and see what this is all about, but cause kind of a little bit of a chaos and just, you know, because it was in their town and they were looking for something to do. So as these boys lined up to interrupt them, there was a little boy named Billy Frank who went. But something intrigued him while he was there in that meeting, and he kept coming back. And that one night, the boy accepted an invitation to receive Christ. Billy Frank, as his friends called him, is known as Billy Graham. A man who preached internationally and reached millions, or should we say billions, of people. Did you see the line of how it trickled down? They were all connected. But because one Sunday school teacher answered the call of the Lord... To reach, a, to reach a young man who then reached another man who reached another man. That Sunday school teacher has helped affect billions of people with the message of Jesus Christ. Our obedience to Christ changes everything because we don't know who we're going to be affecting. We don't know who we're raising up. Is it the next Billy Graham who is going to reach billions for the Lord? You don't know who's back in those rooms. But do you know that you have an impact on their lives? Oh, let it be said of us that our children would say, I remember my Sunday school teacher who shared the love of Jesus with me. And even when I misbehaved, which sometimes happens, right? They showed me the love of Jesus. We have kids that are coming from broken homes who need a man to stand up and say, this is what a man looks like. A man of integrity, a man of God. We need some little ones to see a mama's heart. We need that. Our obedience to Christ changes everything. So maybe we're going to be shaping the next generation back in those breakaway rooms. Or maybe you're going to be loving on a baby in that tot's room. Or maybe God's asking you to stand up and step out in, in faith and reach our teens and our young adults. Maybe God's going to use you in shaking someone's hand at the door as a greeter. You don't know whose life you're going to be impacting. You don't know their prayer the night before. If they said, maybe God just show me one person that would love me. And the greeter at the door said, welcome to freedom. We're so glad you're here. We love you. Do you know that you can change someone's whole world just by shaking someone's hand and being real? Don't miss out. Don't miss out on a life-changing word. Don't miss out on stepping out in faith. Ask yourself, but what if I don't do it? What would happen? You don't know. You don't know what you would miss. But it could be life-changing. Stop being so busy that you can't serve God on a Sunday morning. We all have a part to play. Every single one of us. If we are the body of Christ, we need each other. And there's not one person that cannot serve. Not one person is exempt. Because you have a specific calling that only you can do. It may be praying. It may be teaching. It may be giving. I don't know what your unique gift is, but God does. 
And if you're not sure, ask of him and he will show you. He's placed within you talents. He's placed within you giftings. He's placed within you a desire. But how are you utilizing them for the kingdom? Don't sit on them and hide them. Use them. Give of them freely. Our, our series has all been about being all in. And when you go all in, you don't dip your toes in the water. You cannonball all the way in. If you're going to do it, do it right, right? When you're serving, you've got to serve with everything you've got. Don't be that mediocre person that just sits back and says, someone else will do it. No, God needs you to do it. He wants to use you. Someone's watching. Someone needs your obedience. You have a whole world to change. It's not just a a, a nice catchphrase to love God, love people, and change the world. He needs you to be a world changer. You can't do it sitting down. You have to do something about it. Lord, we thank you in those times, God. That we are unsure of what it is that you're doing. But God, we know we can trust you. Lord, the times that we feel like we're in over our head. God, I don't want to be in over my head with anybody else but with you. God, you're the only person I want to overwhelm me. To overwhelm me with your presence. To overwhelm me with your goodness and your grace. Lord, for those who are really struggling with running from you right now. God, they have been running from your presence. They have been running from what it is that you are calling them to do. Because they don't like it. It's uncomfortable. It's confusing. But God, would you speak peace to them right now? I know that there's some that are just running. I can feel it in this place. That you have just been running from God because it just doesn't fit in the box that you want to put up. But know that our God is a good God. And when I say he's going to overwhelm you, it's not to bring confusion. But when he overwhelms you, he overwhelms you with his spirit of righteousness, truth, peace, joy. Everything that belongs to him, he can overwhelm you with. Maybe you're just not sure and so you've just been saying no to God. Will you just trust him this morning? Will you just trust that God knows exactly what he's doing? Will you be the one that will say, yes, Lord, I will go. I will go to the land that nobody else wants to go to. I will speak to those who who others are afraid to speak to. Maybe you're like Jonah and you just need a clean heart. David said it perfectly when he said, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. May that be your prayer today. Or maybe you've just been sitting on it and you didn't know when to step out. The time is now. The time is now. He's coming back soon. And he will split the sky. And he will call us up. 
and you will stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he will ask you, what did you do with your time? May we not be caught waiting idly, but may we serve him with fervor and strength and joy, knowing that the Lord who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it like his word says. So if that's you this morning and any of those things, maybe you're just seeking his will. Maybe you just need some peace. Maybe you need a clean heart. I want you just to come on up for some prayer. And we'll have our prayer team up here ready to pray with you. Know that you're not alone in this place. You're not the only one seeking his will. You're not the only one asking God, why are you doing this? At one point in time, I think we've all been there or continually are there. Prayer partners, please come on up here and pray. We have a God who is a good God. And who will chase after you. Even when we veer off course, he's there there he's always been there he's never left us he's never going to forsake us he's a good God but may we seek him not in the pit may we get there before the pit happens but if you're in the pit now know that he is the one who will lift you out David said, even when I make my my bed in the depths of Sheol, even there you are with me. He will lift you out. Father God, we give you our lives. We give you our dreams. We give you our desires. Knowing, God, that your hand will lead us. Your hand will guide us if we just keep our eyes set on you. Heal hearts, God, I pray. Birth new passion and vision, Lord. Oh, Lord, would you just throw out, a, throw out that spirit of mediocrity that tries to settle in and waiting for someone else to do the job that you've called us to do? Give us strength to believe you for each step that we take. Lord, knowing that we don't need to chart out our own path and our own course, that God, that we wouldn't plan it in our hearts, but God, that we would follow your heart. Lead us, guide us, show us, and may we remain faithful to you faithful in giving, faithful in serving, faithful in being a doer of the word and not just the hearer of the word. We thank you, Jesus, that your word is true and that we can rely on it and it can be our very source of strength 
we commit this to you now in the name of Jesus.